When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. It's been a while, but we are back with another episode of 1% Better. It's the Colts offseason, which means there's all kinds of hell breaking loose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that's what they do. So uh, we have big news for you today, actually. Um, so the, the offseason is in full swing. The Colts have a deal with Marvell Tell, so all their problems are solved. Uh, all right, they, we'll just take the next couple of months off. Yeah, right. What what else could happen? Uh, so they've got their sort of journeyman. Well, he's not a journeyman, but he the sort of little used uh, third year corner. He's back under contract. So you know, hey, throw a parade. Uh, all right, we got quarterback stuff to talk about, don't we? Always around here, Zach. So let's just get to it. Carson Wentz, he's the Colts' starting quarterback. For now. <laughs> and now could literally be like the next couple of days in this instance. Uh, Zach, what, where do you think things stand? We Just for if anyone has been living under a rock and, and we spend too much time on Twitter and that's not like the real world. So for those who haven't been as immersed in this, let's give them a rundown of what we know. I'll chime into um, but Carson Wentz. Tough year, tough ending to the season. His future is very much in doubt. Where do you think things stand right now? as far as we can confirm and from what we know from talking to people. Yeah. In, in light of some conversations over the last six or seven days. Wait, wait, um, I want to say, sorry. I, these are informed. These are informed comments. I'm going to tell you people that these, these are informed comments. We're not talking out of our ass. We try not to, we do sometimes, but we try not to. So just keep that in mind. And sorry, go ahead, Zach. Proceed. Yeah, no, we're not spitballing here. Um, in light of some conversations over the last six or seven days, um, it's my full expectation that he has moved by the end of this free agency period. Whether that's a cut or a trade remains to be seen. I think this is a when situation, not an if situation. That's my expectation. Um, I think the decision has been made. That's that's my stance on this situation. And um, I wrote last week, you know, 10 reasons why we could see him back in Indianapolis for a second year and 10 reasons why we might not see him back. Um, but I don't think the Colts pay much attention to the 10 reasons he'll be back. I think, <laughs> I think they're going to have five starting quarterbacks in five years. And I think the decision's been made. And I don't think it's all based on Jacksonville or Las Vegas for that matter. I think this was something that they decided over several weeks and months to end the season and recently. And they just don't want to run it back with Carson Wentz. The fact is they don't have a good plan B as of right now, as of where we sit right now. We've talked a lot about the free agent quarterbacks that are available. There's a couple that will require a trade. There's a couple dream scenarios that I don't think will become viable options. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. There's no first round pick and it's a thin quarterback class at that. So all that being said, I think they're not. I, 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 the fact that they, I think they're willing to move on from him, it, it speaks volumes. 
because they don't have a plan B in place. That's my read of the situation as of right now, February 21st. We have a long way to go. And I would say that we're in rumor season right now where there's always going to be a rumor out there. Last week, it was that the Colts were in serious conversations with the Steelers about a trade. And I was told from someone who would know about those conversations that they had never happened, that they had not happened at all. So here we go. But I will say this, um, whatever happens in the next couple of weeks, remember, nothing can be official until I believe March 16th when the new league year starts. Right. So we still have some time to go. But I would say, be careful what you believe. Be careful what you hear. There's going to be a lot of rumors out there. The combines in a couple of weeks, agents will be talking. Um, we'll see. But But the Colts have a move that I believe is coming. Okay. So that is the landscape as we understand it today. Now, here is a sort of side issue that I've been wondering about, and I, I kind of hesitated whether even to go here, but I'll do it in sort of a, a vague kind of roundabout way. Uh, I have wondered, and I know you and I have had this conversation, I have wondered whether everybody in the organization, you know, the, the leadership in the, of the organization, I have wondered whether they're all completely on the same page. I, I, I don't think they are completely on the same page in terms of how forcefully they feel about some of these decisions. But I do think the end result will end up being what you just described. Uh, I just think that, let's just put it out there, right? I mean, it's pretty clear. You've got, you guys have seen these just over-the-top videos from Jim Mercer from the day the season ended through recent weeks. I mean, he hasn't stopped being pissed off, okay, no. for like two months. I, and he's, never, not, he's not hiding anything. He's not no. hiding how he feels. He's never said Carson Wentz's name, but I don't care, okay? You guys know what this is about, okay? It's pretty clear, okay? He's he's certainly not cutting Darius Leonard, okay? And he's talking about there being sort of you know, a, changes from top to bottom. I mean, the, the coaching staff changed, certainly, but not really because of performance issues. They didn't go fire a bunch of coaches. That's not what happened. There was coaching movement, Eberflus, et cetera. But I think... Reading between the lines, and, and maybe that's dangerous, but reading between the lines and just based on everything else that we know, I think Jamerse has been very clear. He It's pretty forceful on his end. I do wonder, you have a very deliberate pair of men in Chris Ballard and Frank Reich who can ultimately come to the same decision but just go about it very differently. But maybe that's because they're different. So I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, is that do you do you agree with what I yeah. sort of assess there and does it matter? It absolutely matters, but the thing I keep coming back to and we've talked to this as well is it's in it's one thing to want to move on from a guy mm -hmm. at this position. It's another thing to have a plan in place. And I for the longest time and this is just how I think like in general I don't move on from something unless I have a backup, unless I have a plan B. Sure. Other people think differently and that's fine. And it works in some cases and it and it doesn't in others. But I just don't know if they move on from Wentz, which I expect them to, where they go. But the fact is, I think that the fact that they're willing to do that without a first round pick and without a really good draft class coming in and without an obvious free agent target, it, it's very telling. Isn't it very telling? Maybe Ballard's that's the not, point. Ballard's yeah. not an idiot. He knows what's out there, what's available. And, and Frank Reich knows the quarterback position very well as well. And I think that's literally what could decide where this team goes for the next three or four years. I really do think this. they've been in this hamster wheel since the night Andrew Luck retired. We've talked a lot about this. 
they're still trying to find that answer. And they thought they might have a chance at finding it last year when they sent a first and a third to Philly. And I think we're going to get the answer very soon in the next month that they didn't, that they swung, they missed, and it's going to be a bad trade. It's going to go down as a bad trade, probably the worst since the Trent Richardson drill in, in 2013. But whether these all three, all three of these men are in concert on the decision isn't really the most important thing. It's for Ballard and Rika's sake, it's what do we do next? Because that's going to be hard and, and I don't see any obvious options and is is – as much ridicule as Carson Wentz got at the end of the season and rightly deserved, he played terrible. He wasn't the only one who played terrible. The fact of the yeah. matter is they could get worse at quarterback next year. It, that's an absolute reality here. I don't know if they do. It depends on who they bring in. It depends on a lot of different things. But Carson was not objectively terrible throughout the 2021 season. I think even the biggest Carson Wentz haters would have to agree he was not terrible the entire season. There were some good moments. There was a lot of moments of struggle. But that's why this is such an interesting situation is without an obvious answer, without an easy playbook to follow, this is going to be the hardest thing Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have done, in my opinion, since moving on from Andrew Luck and trying to move on from Andrew Luck because it's all intertwined, is without an obvious answer, do they go backwards at that position in 2022? And the problem is that was the position that held them back in a lot of ways in 2021. Yeah, I think you just hit on something that is, is still fascinating to me. And I, I think we've had this discussion before, but it, it warrants further discussion just because it's it's so incredible to me. You know, Carson Wentz, you know, you look at these numbers, 27 and 7 this year. That is on paper. If you just flew here from Mars and somehow understood football <laughs> and I told you, hey, the Colts starting quarterback threw 27 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. What do you think? You'd be like, sign me up. I want I want that guy to be the quarterback next year. Stats never tell the story with a quarterback. Right. And and but they especially never tell the story with this guy. It's exactly it's incredible. I have never seen such a disparity between the statistical performance, at least I can't remember one at least, the statistical performance and the actual performance. It is staggering to me. It is absolutely staggering. And that's why you do find yourself, you know, I don't know if it's the left brain or the right brain, whichever side thinks whichever way, but like one side of your brain is like, well, well, well hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you doing? <laughs> and then the yes. other side of your brain is like, dude, you saw what happened. And I, and I think it's it's really interesting. There were times this year where you and I both, I think, came on this podcast and said, you know what, this is working out. This is going to be okay. This guy is getting it done. And I think what here's what we know now that we didn't know then. They weren't winning because of Carson Wentz. There, he was just kind of along for the ride, and he wasn't getting in the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to say they were winning in spite of him. I'm not going to say yeah. that because I don't think it's that's It's not a true. compliment, but it's also not a knock. Right. It's, it's kind of a knock. It is kind of a knock, yeah. I mean, it, it really boiled down to, and I'm talking about, well, I don't know. Let's think back to like maybe that stretch between – uh, I would say the Dolphins, uh, Ravens, even to some extent. I mean, you know, I thought he he did they did make some yeah he threw for four hundred yards yeah. that night. You know, Dolphins, Ravens, obviously Texans, 49ers, It was ugly, but you know the rain conditions. I figured, eh, good enough. You know, so there was a stretch there where I felt like, all right, he's done enough. He's doing enough. And then what what really boils down to, or what it what it really comes down to, is this. When they really needed him to make plays, he didn't do it. And I think in those games that I'm talking about, generally speaking, they didn't need him to do that. They did enough elsewhere to win. 
where he could just not get in the way and would make plays along the way. And it looked really good in some respects. You know, it, it was it was a little bit deceiving. And I, I don't it's really hard to explain if you didn't watch all the games. And yeah. I think if, if someone is a fan of another team and they watch this from afar, they're probably a little confused. But they also probably saw the left-handed interceptions and, and all that. So <laughs> so there's there's also some context there. So I don't know. I just look at the big games. Tennessee comes to mind. I'm looking at the old schedule here on my wall. Uh, Tennessee, uh, certainly, um, you know, the Bucks. On, in some respects. I mean, I think uh, he made a lot of plays that day, but then at the end, you know, a couple of interceptions he'd like to have back. I mean, there were just so many moments where he could have left no doubt. Okay, he can lift this team. He had opportunities to do that, and I think only came through really in one instance, which would be yeah. Arizona on Christmas. And I think that's really what it boils down to. And and I'm rambling now, but but the, the playoffs really reinforced this for me. I think the quarterbacks who advanced, they are quarterbacks who lifted their team. Even the ones that weren't even all that good. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo did lift his team at the time they needed it. You know, if you yeah. look at the Green Bay games, right? So Carson Wentz just seemed incapable of doing that. And, and I think the Colts, if they... The goal isn't just, you know, get to a wild card game and lose because so what, right? And so if their goal is, is bigger than that long term, he's probably not going to be the guy to get you there. And I think maybe that is what decides it when you talk about do you or do you not have an upgrade? Maybe maybe that's what it boils down to. I mean, you I think you made a good point. They could get worse. How does yeah. that impact this for you? How does that impact it? Yeah. If you know that Carson is is maybe not the guy, does that? Does that impact your decision to move forward if, if you can't get better? Or do you have to take I, that chance? I think you spelled it out well because I think with this guy, you almost throw the stats out. No, I know that yeah. sounds crazy with the quarterback and in such a, a data-driven league, but the 27-7 is misleading because you've mentioned like the left-handed throws and the and the killer interceptions. But at the same time, if you throw those out, you got to throw out like him ducking and running for first downs in Buffalo. Like he made a lot of those plays right. as well. So – when I went back and watched a lot of the tape, you know, there were plays that this team needed that this guy made. And there were obviously some disastrous plays late in the season where he wasn't reading the defense and he wasn't checking it down. And like Ballard said, he wasn't making the layup. So he's such an interesting study of the quarterback position. But I don't think this is just about football. I don't think this is just about on-field performance. And I'm not referring uh. to COVID. I'm referring to the question the Colts have been trying to answer for four years they're trying to find out if he's the guy, right? They're trying to find out if this guy's the next guy. If they're trying to get that guy at quarterback so they can finally stop doing this every offseason because it's exhausting. Um, it's exhausting for Chris Ballard and it's exhausting for the personnel staff. It's exhausting for us. It's exhausting <laughs> for the fans. Um, but I think more than anything, not just from a football sense, they wanted to find out if he was the guy for 2022 and, and possibly 2023 and 24 because that's where his contract runs through. And he's due $28 million next year. And, and I've reported that it's not a money issue. The money is not going to drive this decision. And I think if if it was in Jacksonville or Las Vegas or in that month where he didn't quite make enough plays, remember he had 50 passing yards against the Patriots and got bailed out by that Jonathan Taylor run late in this biggest in this team's biggest win in five years. Um, hmm. Moments like that compounded on another kind of revealed, in my opinion, the Colts' stance that he's just not the guy. And I think 
it's a risky proposition to move away from a guy who can play decent football for you. I think anyone out there can agree Carson could play decent, decent football for the Colts in 2022. And I think, and I believe this, with a full training camp where he's not injured, second year in the system, if you add some pieces around him, it could be better. I still believe that, knowing what I know from the conversations I've had. But if they don't believe he's the guy, I don't think they see a point in running it back with him if they don't believe he's going to help them get better in the long term. Now, that's that's why these guys make these high-level decisions in pro football, but um, – that's been fascinating because that was a little bit of a curveball in my mind, at least, because I didn't get a sense in, let's say, late November, early December. They go on that run, right? They beat the Bills by 30 in Buffalo. JT breaks out. I didn't get a sense that Carson was a problem, that Carson was getting in the way of winning. And then I did late in the season when he cost him against Las Vegas and when he cost him big time against Jacksonville. So he couldn't have picked a worse time to play his two worst games, but I do believe this stretches a little bit more than just those last two games. Yeah, and then to, just to add a little more context to what you're saying, I look at this team's, I guess, three biggest wins of this season. Just off the top of my head, uh, I would say let's start with, uh, I would say the Bills for sure, uh, Patriots, and Cardinals. Let's say those are the three biggest wins. All right, Carson Wentz. And two of those really was a passenger. <laughs> he was in the passenger yeah. seat. Yeah. Okay. Jonathan Taylor was in the driver's seat. <laughs> okay. Let's be clear. And you so, shouldn't have a running back in the driver's seat. Yeah. As good as Jonathan Taylor is, but to your earlier point about the quarterbacks, that's a flawed way to win right now. Yeah. And you, you're setting me up perfectly. So, and obviously the, the Cardinals game, I don't think he played great in that game by any stretch, but he did what he needed to do at the end. And, and they ended up having that game winning drive. So all the credit in the world for that. But in the three biggest wins of the season, the quarterback played a minimal role in two of them. That's incredible, right? That's incredible. And the other thing that I think is, is interesting here, look back and a lot of this is hindsight, but hindsight is is important because you can't you can't necessarily see things in the moment. Sometimes you need the benefit of hindsight to understand things fully, even even us. And I look back at a lot of the conversation over the course of the season, and you were there for all of this, Zach. Remember those times where we're hearing from the fans early in the season where maybe they weren't running the ball nearly as heavily as they were toward the end. And what was the sentiment? Why is he so aggressive with the play calling? And th- why are we throwing the ball so much? And we got to run the ball more. And Frank Reich, knowing what he knows about offensive football, was like, yeah, guys, no. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. Like, that is not the answer. That's not how you win. And in some respects, he's right about that. He was right. Because yeah. in, order to, in order to really win big in this league, you got to throw the ball. And that's what he kept saying. He's right about that. You got to throw the ball. You got to throw the ball. And so... I think he got a little comfortable and he started leaning on Carson Wentz a little more and a little more because Carson was was actually doing okay. He was staying away from the big mistake. Then the Tennessee came, the ten, the second Tennessee game came up and it was like, "Oh boy." All right? Oh. So he, you know, he he shit the bed. Okay? Let's just call it what it was. He shit the bed. And then over the course of the next month or so, what happened? Slow, gradual transition to running the ball a little more and a little more to the point where you got to Buffalo and, and Frank just tore everything up and said, all right, damn it, go ahead, Jonathan, you got to carry us. And and at that point, what was the conversation from the fans at that point was, 
wait, we got to throw the ball more. We got to throw the ball more. Not that game, but over the course of you know next several games, it was like, hey, it's third and four. Why are we running it? And the answer is he didn't want to put the game in the quarterback's hands. Frank's most telling quotes from this season were things he did not say. Yes. They were his play were his play calls in December and January. Yes. So here you have so I will I will go to my grave saying that I think Frank Reich's a pretty good play caller. You can't tell right now. A lot of times you just can't tell. And it's unfortunate because we've seen this guy carve people up with Philip Rivers under center. And Philip Rivers who can't move, can barely get out from under center. You know, Philip obviously acquitted himself nicely, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not bashing Philip Rivers. He, I thought he played far better than I ever anticipated. So I'll give him lots of credit. But at the same time, I mean, the play calling was top notch. Okay, no question about it. That combination was was phenomenal. And here you have the same play caller this year, and none of the results that you saw, you know, with with Philip Rivers, it just didn't look nearly as efficient, right? So This is a really good point you make, and I've been wanting to say this for a while. This is one, and I listened to Ballard's press conference again. There's a little subtle things in there that Ballard will say that just that just tell you the story. And, mm-hmm. and what is Frank's offense built around? It's it's a timing-based mm-hmm. offense. What does Philip Rivers excel at, right? I mean, as, yeah. as good as I've seen oh, yeah. in the quarterback I've covered since, you know, Peyton or Andrew, whatever you want to do. That's, oh, that's he, not he relevant. Was but a million times better in anticipation in, than Andrew Luck, even in that regard. All that stuff. Yeah. I mean, Philip, that part of his game was elite, was as good as I've yep. seen it in a long time from someone I've covered on a weekly basis. Carson struggles in that area in a big yeah. way, in a big way. And it's not just make the layups. It's, it's throw with anticipation. It's get the ball out. It's everything. And it really exacerbated itself late in the season. And Carson can get away with some of this because he's such a naturally gifted athlete. As someone someone yeah. in the organization told me like in like late January, they're like, all they need a quarterback is someone with Carson Wentz's running ability, Andrew Luck's arm, and Phillip Rivers' head. So if that guy's <laughs> out there, they're good. I don't think he is. So they want um, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Yeah, they want, good luck. yeah, they want they want Aaron Rodgers and his thirty-five, forty million dollar cap hip or whatever it is, but uh, and I think they would do that in a second oh, if they yeah, could. Yeah, it's not the money. <laughs> I, I, don't think, the I don't think I'm surprising anybody out there um, at this juncture. But that's that's what I think is most frustrating. And you mm-hmm. just hit, you just nailed it with Frank's play calling late in the season. They were trying to be a run first team when they know they know you can't win like that consistently in this league in this era by doing that. And that's an indictment on the quarterback. And, and I was talking to Rick Venturi a couple of weeks ago, and he really nailed it down. I mean, the problems with this team over the last month on a macro level is they couldn't throw the ball and they couldn't stop the pass. Like, it's very simple. Like, that's what happened. And you're not going to win in this league when you do that. And and Carson just – he left such a damning indictment on his performance the way he played in Jacksonville. It just pulled all this together. And now we're sort of picking up the pieces and reading through the tea leaves – and here we are, and it seems like they're going to be looking for another one and restarting again, new quarterback, new offense, new system, you know, designed around his talents again, which is just a bad way to do football in this league. Hmm. Let's focus for a moment on what we think might be the next step here, and that's whether they can get a trade. So that's at least something you have to consider. They gave up a, a first and a third. They're going to want to get something back. They don't want to cut this guy and get nothing. That is just all kinds of egg on your face. Okay. So I actually think the the more I think about this, the more I think they can actually recoup something for Carson Wentz. I know 
it sounds crazy, but you can spin it just like I just said, right? I mean, you still do have that 27 and 7 ratio. You still have a guy who is, is better than most of the other options out there, but that doesn't say a lot for him. I get that because the options are bad. But if that's what you're facing, then you have to consider your options, right? So I, I went through and compiled a few trades, and I'll get into this a little more in, a, in story form this week. But um, just looking at recent trades in recent years, the one that sticks out to me is Sam Darnold last year. So what what you have here is a, let's see, it was a second, a fourth, and a sixth Carolina gave up to get him. That's a fairly wow. significant haul. Let me just double check that. I feel like and he's was- on a rookie contract. The thing with Wentz is he's yeah. on he's on a starter level contract, twenty eight million next yeah. year. Yeah. You're not going to no, pay him that to sit. Yeah, and that, that's correct. I had to double check it just to make sure. Yeah, it's a they gave up a second, a fourth, and a sixth. If the Colts got that like tomorrow, I think they take it. Honestly. Are you kidding me? They yeah, take it and run. They Are you would. kidding? And I think they would probably like dance. <laughs> I think it's a victory. Uh, look, I, I don't know that they get that. The difference with the Sam Darnold trade last year and Carson Wentz now is, so both of these guys had sort of flamed out in their previous stop. So that's that's like one strikeout. But now they've got two strikes, you know? And so now yeah. Carson has flamed out in two places. The team's trading him after one year. That's a hell of an indictment. A hell it's of an not indictment. Just, it's not just the team is trading him. Frank Reich is trading him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. The, his biggest but Carson's defender. But Carson's better than Sam Darnold. I mean, at least yeah. the, in oh, my for opinion. Sure. For sure, for sure. Um I think he's he's more frustrating, but <laughs> but he's definitely better, <laughs> right. better athlete, better better arm, better you know just yeah, you know, not accomplish more. Accurate, but right. Yeah, yeah. I've seen him play at a higher level than Sam Darnold could ever hope to play. So the the other one that's interesting, this one's going to make people laugh when you think about it in retrospect. But did you know, Josh Rosen in 2019 yielded a second and a fifth from the Miami Dolphins. When he was traded from the Arizona Cardinals, I did not remember that. <laughs> That's pretty. He was good. a top ten overall pick. He was traded one year in because sure. they drafted Kyler. Yeah, yeah. Now it was pretty much kind of a joke that, that he was kind of looked at as a joke at that point because he had played terrible, and they were already replacing him after one year. That was you know a huge indictment there. So, but I think you are right though. His his status as what was he like tenth overall? I think. Something I think like so. That. Yeah, yeah. It was so, a huge quarterback draft. There were like five quarterbacks to go in round one. It was. So you know his status is that really high pick. I think had a lot to do with that. Um, the Dolphins, you know, some desperation on their part. But you know, I don't. That didn't work out well for the Dolphins either. None of these trades really worked out. So, <laughs> and then there's. I'll just throw this out there just for shits and giggles. The mother of all quarterback trades, which I, will never not be funny to me, is. The Eagles, here they go again, and I believe this was 2016, uh, getting a first and a fourth for Sam Bradford <laughs> for the Vikings. Wow. So, it was right before training camp, I yeah, think? Like, well, or no, so right before the season. Teddy Bridgewater had that gruesome knee injury right at the end of training camp. The Vikings were pretty good and thought they had a chance to make a run, and they, they needed panicked. a quarterback. And it was they definitely panicked. a panic, panic pick uh, or panic trade. Excuse me. So I don't remember how far the, the Vikings went that year, but I mean, Bradford played okay. He always played okay, right? He he was always yeah. going to kind of give you. That's why you he know, always kept getting jobs. Yeah, yeah, twenty touchdowns and you know ten picks and like you know 
throw, you know, have a completion percentage of like 74%. <laughs> but what did it really mean, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's, I don't know if that tells you anything, but that's, those are kind of three or four trades I figured that would give you some context. I think the the goal, it should probably be, um, I mean, I think the bar, what, they, what they're going to want is that they're going to want that Darnold deal, but I don't think they get that. I think it's probably if you if you get a second, you're probably not getting much more. And if you and more likely you're probably getting a third and something else is kind of my guess. But that's purely a guess. It depends yeah. on how many suitors, it depends on how desperate let me, these um, teams are, you know, all those things. L- let me ask you where you think he stacks up against this year's crop of free agent quarterbacks. I got that mm-hmm. list right in front of me. Okay. This is not a good list. Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, Jameis Winston coming off the ACL, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is, is going to move. He requires a trade. He's got one year left on his deal. I, it sounds like Kirk Cousins is going nowhere. It sounds like Derek Carr is going nowhere. Right. I don't necessarily think Matt Ryan is going anywhere either. He's a huge cap hit, but he's also, you know, kind of – in a different spot down there in Atlanta. And then obviously the big fish would be Rodgers and Wilson. But that list, Bridgewater, Dalton, Newton, Brissett, Fitzpatrick, Taylor, Jameis, Mariota, Trubisky, where does Carson Wentz rank in there? He's got to be one of the more accomplished. He's got to be one of the more enticing prospects, right? Yeah, I I still think he is. I mean, if you're you're inclined to make a a move for a veteran quarterback, I mean, he has to be – one of your top two or three options. He has to be. There's like 10 teams that need a quarterback this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they can't all draft one because yeah. they're not even that good. Okay. There's, I don't know how many go in the first round, but my guess is three or four and not high. It might not even be that many. It might because not. These, it might not even be a top 10 guy. But exactly. you're talking the Colts, the Broncos, the Steelers, the Texans, the Bucks, and the Bucks aren't going to want to draft and develop a guy like to play this year with that roster. Right. The Commanders, the Panthers, the Saints need somebody. So they, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to figure this out and how it will play out. So, and, and I, think I think they're thrilled if they get a second. Yeah, and I, but I think this this adds credence to what we're saying, which is that they they might actually end up getting you know something that they can at least you know feel good about in this deal if they can get a deal. I I don't think they have to cut them. I think they can get a trade. They can definitely get a trade. I think they can definitely get a pick. Or picks. The question is, of what level, right? That is pretty clear. I don't think they end up having to trade him because even if you're a team that doesn't love him, if you have a terrible quarterback situation, you can take a flyer on the guy. And if he ends up not being your starter or something, well, then fine. But you know, and the Colts can eat yeah, some of the money. That's a it good may point. Not hurt like, you that much, you know? So. Like the Colts are in this QB purgatory. They've been in it for three or four years, so everyone is just exhausted by it. But it's not like the Steelers have, you know, it's not like the yeah. the Bucks have. Been, you know, it's like these teams are going to be a little bit more apt, perhaps, to take a flyer, to take a risk on a guy than the Colts are, because the Colts just took one and presumably whiffed. So we'll see what happens. I think the patience is probably a little bit longer with some other franchises than the Colts because they've been yeah. running on this same track the last couple of years and, and not really finding any type of stability. Yeah, not all situations are created equal. That's for sure. And I, I think if you look at a team like, eh, I don't, I don't know what an example would be, but but there's no question. Like the Colts are, 
the Colts are ready to go. They have some needs. Clearly, they have some needs. But, I mean, if you stack their personnel up against the teams in the playoffs, like, they compare very favorably, I think. Oh, you know? they, yeah, they absolutely believe they should have been in the playoffs yeah. and probably play in the second weekend. They absolutely should have been in the playoffs. There's no question. I mean, look, those teams in the playoffs, they had a lot of freaking weaknesses too, okay? So, I mean, look how well the Colts run the ball. What You can you can decide whether that has any value for you but, or how much value, but but clearly that matters some. I think the Rams won the Super Bowl with like a 1.4 yards per carry That was going to be my average. point. It's the <laughs> so, wor- that was the worst rushing performance in – Probably in Super Bowl history, I believe we were looking it up in the press box, and we—I think there was one Super Bowl performance worse than that, one rushing performance worse than that. The the Bengals don't run the ball that well either, you know. So I, I think that I, I think that when you look at the Colts, there's no question they stack up very favorably in many ways against some of the teams in the playoffs with some big, you know, this with with some big issues and, and glaring weaknesses they need to deal with. But they all have weaknesses. So my point is. Not a, not all the teams that are in the quarterback market are in that space or in that place, I guess. So their bar at quarterback might just be placeholder, you know, till they can get the guy they want. That kind Correct. of thing. So, you know, that team might be willing, you know, whoever that is. So I, I, I do think they get something. Um, I want to ask you your thoughts on this and I'll give mine before we wrap this up. There's a guy who I keep coming back to and I think I'm talking myself into this. So hear me out. Jimmy Garoppolo. What are your thoughts? I I could think I can talk myself into this for the Colts. I have been talking myself into it over the last week. Okay. By necessity, maybe. Um, and I haven't like gone back and watched every game of his career. I know that Jimmy G is a flawed quarterback and I watched the playoffs and I saw some of his mistakes. Um he wins. I think he's 33 and 14 as the starter in San Francisco. He wins. That matters. Now, I know that he's got a great offensive line. He's got a great pass rush on the other side that helps, right? And he has a oh, great yeah. offensive mind in, in Kyle Shanahan. That matters. But he does, he would potentially have some of those similar things in Indianapolis. Now, yeah, I'm not Carson ready to Wentz call had a lot of those things, yes. Right. And, and I mean, he's got the it. best running back in football, Jonathan Taylor. And I'm not ready to call this an offensive line that is elite because it's not, not based on what I saw the last month of the season. But there are pieces that you like. Um, but pretty good. Definitely definitely one of the better lines still. Right. I think my – yeah, and I want to get your thoughts on Jimmy G as well because I could, I could talk myself into that. I think more than anything, what the Colts are looking for in their next quarterback, whether it's a one-year guy or the future, whatever, is they want to find the right guy intangibly. Like they want to find that guy that that is their leader, that is the guy that they trust – that they don't have to change the playbook around based on what he does and doesn't do well and will get them into trouble. I think that's – and that's really hard to do, right? I understand mm-hmm. that. But I think they want to they want to find the guy they believe in. I remember telling Robert Mays this, our colleague. We did a podcast the night after the Colts beat the Patriots. So probably the you know the zenith of their season in many respects, right? And I and off the air, off the air after we were done recording, you know they had won that night. Wentz hadn't played well, and I just said – I think they're going to get to the playoffs and I think it's going to end on a Carson Wentz interception. I just have this feeling in the back of my head and that's not what happened, but it sort of did end on a Carson Wentz, just calamity in Jacksonville. But I don't think I'm the only one who had that thought. I think there's people in that building that had that thought and you can't shake that. And I think they need to go find a guy that's going to give them the opposite feeling. And I know it's very hard to do that, to find a guy that infuses confidence, but I think that's going to be a very, very essential component to this search of whatever they land on. 
So along the same lines, I can't help but ask myself, or I can't help but wonder, what would the Colts record have been with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback this year? It's very interesting. I mean, I think that let's say he had to make some of those throws against you know, Las Vegas or Jacksonville. Like, Would he have been able to do that? I actually think that Jimmy Garoppolo, and I am not an expert on Jimmy Garoppolo. I haven't you know, sort of like broken down his film yet or anything like that because I'm not going to jump the gun here. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I think I see a guy who has the ability to be more of a reliable rhythm passer than Carson Wentz. Carson, yes. sometimes just he just can't resist the urge to get off schedule. And I think that's where he gets in yeah. trouble, you know? And sometimes and he's good at it. He's it. good at it sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes he creates problems of his own making. And Correct. and then maybe he overcomes it, maybe he doesn't. But that problem didn't have to arise. So it's I, hard I to coach though, isn't it? It is hard to coach that. It is. Because you know, a lot of times these things are drawn up, as you said, on timing, and a lot of times they're there. But you know, if you get greedy. Now you're trying to figure out, and it's not there initially. Now you're trying to figure out how can you get back to that first option <laughs> that's no longer available to you, you know. And and here comes, you know, here comes the edge rusher. And so I don't know. It just I think it makes it incredibly frustrating, uh, both for the coaching, both for the offensive line as well. I mean, I think for the offensive line, there's probably some. We probably owe them a little bit of of leeway here too, because there's no question. That Carson Wentz in, at times made their job harder, and yeah. that's an important point too. Yeah, you know? it went both ways, but I do think that Jimmy G is an enticing option because it's it's one year and it's twenty six million dollars. Now you have to give up something to go get him. We understand mm-hmm. that, um, but compared to some of the others, he, he's 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 a step up in my opinion. He's not without flaw. Whoever you get is going to have flaws, but the reality is, you know, it's, it's a one year gamble. And then you see where you're at. But, you know, without a first round pick, that might be the most enticing thing to remember. And also remember, this is important. Ballard has a very good relationship with John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers. They made the Buckner trade a couple of years ago, a trade that they had in place for several weeks and kept completely quiet. Ballard said he trusts them absolutely. Um, You know, he wouldn't have made the trade. The trade wouldn't have gone through if, if anybody had leaked it on either side. So there is a level of trust there. Maybe without, you know, the same level of trust he maybe doesn't have with some other teams. Um, and that might play a role here. We'll see. But here we go. If, if the 49ers are ready to move on with Trey Lance, what it sounds like they are, um, Jimmy G is going to be available and he's going to be playing somewhere else next season. Maybe it's in Indianapolis. And that trade, that's another trade there where I, I think the value is hard to sort of pinpoint. It'll be interesting. Uh, they, I believe, gave up a – it's been several years now, but I thought they gave up a second to New England to get him. Well, that's like yeah. four years ago. It's kind of right. relevant now, but but it'll be interesting. That that's one I'll have to look at that one too and try to find some some comps. Uh, that's a very interesting one because I think he, unlike Carson Wentz, who's going the other way, Jimmy has actually given people some pause to be like, huh, maybe this guy is better than we thought, right? And so their their reputations are going opposite directions. <laughs> so, I think both to to put a cap on this. I think both quarterbacks have a ceiling, right? I think oh for sure. And I think in a, in a league where you're going to be facing, you know, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen, I get that. The AFC is loaded with young passers. I think you have to figure out that you're going to have a quarterback with a ceiling unless you have one of those guys. And I think Jimmy G's ceiling is 
what NFC Championship game. They were up 10 yeah. in the fourth quarter against the Rams. Carson Wentz's ceiling is probably not the AFC Championship game. I'm just not sure yeah. the Colts are going to get there with him the way he played this, la- this last year. Yeah. Uh, and on the other hand, I mean, you also have, you know, one other thing to consider about Jimmy Garoppolo is that, you know, he's in a division right now with the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks, you know, at times, you know, can, can, they have in the past been very formidable. This year took a step back. But my point is, uh, he he's going up against some really difficult defenses there on a regular basis. He doesn't necessarily have that problem in the AFC South. I mean, granted, there's two teams in the AFC South. There's yeah, two. Yeah, I mean, I know Jacksonville can still play some defense, but uh, I think it's a little bit different. when We're talking about uh, that Colts team we saw in Week 18. I don't know what that was. So, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. never find that answer. No, we'll just we'll die without answers to that to what happened on that day. Anyway, that's kind of the layout of where where things are. I hope it helps, and I suspect we'll be back here in uh, the coming weeks. Oh, actually, we'll be back live from the combine next week, I think. So, uh, hopefully, we hear we learn more. We will hear, I believe, both from Chris Ballard and Frank Reich at the combine. So we'll have Correct. a reaction to that and give you our thoughts. Hopefully, we learn a lot. I don't think we'll. I don't think they'll give a, a whole lot of secrets. I think things are really fluid, but they will be. Uh, sort of pin down and, and have to answer some questions and, and how they answer them will be very interesting. So, yeah, there's also some other stuff going on. They're trying to fill out the coaching staff. Look for news on that yes. in the next couple of days, week. Um, some interesting names have been floated around there. And um, yeah, it, it feels like this isn't the offseason. It feels like we've just been going full bore since the season ended. It feels like you covered the Super Bowl like what last week? Yeah, because I did. <laughs> and then the combine's <laughs> next week. So, yeah, off season. Thanks, NFL. Yeah. Hey, it's all good. You know what? This is we, we love what we do, and uh, we know it, it keeps you guys riveted, and that keeps the lights on. So, hey, who am I complaining? Or why am I complaining? Uh, hey, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is 1% Zach.